Today our scripture comes from Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every day I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and what may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank Peggy for our reading of our scripture this morning. And as we have heard its reading, we now seek its meaning and understanding for our life. And let us ask for God's Holy Spirit to help us in that process. Will you bow with me in a moment of prayer? Lord God, we thank you for your word that is always a light into our path of life. And as we've heard it read, Lord, we, we ask for your Holy Spirit now to help us to hear it in the way that you want us to hear it. May my words be your words, O oh God, bringing honor and glory to you alone. May the meditations of our hearts in this place be acceptable, pleasing to you, as we seek to be transformed by the power of your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometime back in Leadership Magazine, they uh, wrote a great story about a man by the name of Mark Weldman. He's a paraplegic who uh, gained national recognition when he scaled the sheer granite wall of El Capitan in Yosemite National Park in California. And on the seventh and final day of his climb, the headlines of the local newspaper uh, pushed the following headline saying, Showing a Well of Granite. And of course, the coverage was mostly about uh, Mark Wellman. I mean, after all, he was a paraplegic, uh, overcoming this insurmountable obstacle and challenge. But the untold story of this whole thing was his climbing partner, Mike Corbett. In one publication, this photo shows how Mike Corbett carried Wellman on his shoulders much of the way up that mountain. In fact, the title under this photo in the uh, publication was Paraplegic and Partner Prove No Wall is Too High to Scale. And what most people didn't realize is that Mike Corbett had actually scaled the wall of uh, this El Capitan, his sheer wall of granite, three times in order to prepare to be able to help Mark Wellman pull himself up one time. Truly, it was a joint effort, a partnership. Together, they were able to accomplish this unbelievable feat. It's a heartwarming story, a very inspiring story. And today, we are celebrating World Communion Sunday. 
It's a day when millions of people across this globe come together to celebrate and to receive the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. They will come from different traditions, different cultures. Some will walk to church, while others will take a bus or ride a train, while others will ride in a car. Some will attend very large churches and others will attend very small churches. Some will attend online, as we have those joining us this morning are doing. But we will all have one thing in common that transcends all of our differences, and that is that we are followers of Jesus Christ. In the midst of all of the partisanship, the divisions, the bickering and polarization that we see in the headlines and consuming our world today, I have found myself longing for this day. A day when we strive to remember our oneness in Christ. Because I truly believe that a recognition of our common bond in Jesus Christ is our only hope for healing in this world. In his book, Life Signs, Henry Nouwen says that he began a daily Eucharist or a daily service of communion at the university where he was teaching. And at first, maybe one or two were attending it, but over time it gradually began to grow. And he said that he observed an amazing thing happening among these students who really didn't know each other at all, who had very different viewpoints on many different things. And he said they came together as a worshiping community. He wrote, most of these people would never have chosen each other as friends or companions, but they all often, for quite different reasons, felt attracted to a daily Eucharistic celebration in which the word of God was proclaimed and the body and blood of Christ was shared. Over the next few months, these quite different individuals, um, very different, they found themselves drawn together by a common sense of community. These people who were made up of different interests, different backgrounds, uh, different viewpoints, and everything you can imagine, they developed a special bond that was not based on physical or emotional attractiveness. It was not based on even social compatibility or common interests, but rather it was based on the presence of the living Christ. It was experienced, and they came together, and they broke bread and shared the cup. As these students participate in the service of daily communion. They begin to draw strength from one another. Now in writes, all of them started to experience support from each other in their daily struggles. Many became good friends. Some even found their partners for life. Such were the remarkable fruits of spiritual community. I, I think in a very similar way, this is the hope that is behind World Communion Sunday. In our text this morning, the Apostle Paul begins his letter to the church in Philippi by calling them partners in the gospel. In verse 5, he says, Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Do you know this, this sense of being in partnership with one another? It seems to have been really lost in our world today, doesn't it? I mean, believe it or not, there was actually a time when our political parties were willing to put aside their differences and work together for the common good for us all. But you just don't even see that anymore. I mean, bipartisanship seems to be an unattainable goal 
on anything anymore. And it's not just in the political arena that we see this lack of partnership and working together. We see it all across the world in every area, even in the church. Yet that phrase, partners in the gospel, surely that should describe the way that we relate with one another around this world, particularly those who share the common cup and the bread with us today. Or this is a relationship in Christ that cuts across national or racial, even ethical or ethic differences, for it is based on a fundamental spiritual truth that we are all one family in God. That we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And the only way that we're going to succeed or be able to live in a world that resembles the kingdom of God is if we're willing to begin to see each other as partners. Partners in the gospel. How easily we seem to forget that. A reporter said he asked a white teenage girl in Philadelphia why she had participated in a protest to force a black couple out of their neighborhood. And the girl said, because I I wouldn't want my kids getting to know those blacks. The reporter asked, why do you say that? And she said, because they might get to like them. That's the danger, isn't it? How sad it is that there's so much fear of one another today. Often unfounded fear. We see it in our community. We see it in the world, the Middle East. We see it in almost every area of our life. We see it between races. We see it in our own neighborhoods. We even see it within the church. We are always polarized when we focus on our differences and our fears of one another. Today, there just really seems to be very little desire even to try to find common ground with each other. Uh, It's truly heartbreaking because I think we all know, I mean, I have to believe we all know this, that it is not God's will that we live this way with one another. That's not how God wants us to live for each other. What happened to our sense and our underlying conviction that we are all part of the family of God? That we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of our differences, our our race, our affiliations. That we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. That we're all part of this world that God so loved that he was willing to give his son to die for. And even more heartbreaking, I think, is the brokenness that we see within the church today. What is supposed to be the body of Christ. (laughs) But it's supposed to be God's witness for how we are to live together in, in peace with one another. We even see this going on right now within our own denomination, brokenness, division. It is truly a sad thing. But I think it goes beyond that. Uh, I, I am currently in fellowship with several clergy here in this community that have really blessed my life. It's, a, it's relationships that have truly enriched my life. And, and we all took the chance to overcome our differences and our preconceived uh, notions about each other, what we thought about each other. And and guess what? We actually have come to like each other a whole lot. In fact, we discovered that we have much more in common than we ever thought we had. But I will tell you that there are other clergy in this very community who will not associate with us 
because we are associating with certain others. It's truly a sad thing. Imagine, just imagine all the good that we could do for the kingdom of God if we saw ourselves as partners in the gospel rather than competitors in the gospel. In his book, Pack Up Your Troubles, Maxi Dunham tells about a time when he and his family were traveling, um, driving from Gulfport, Mississippi, to his parents' house in Richton, which was about 100 miles away. It was late at night, they were traveling, and, and uh, it was wintertime, and it started sleeting. The roads started becoming kind of icy, and, and it was about midnight while they were driving on this long, lonely highway, and then it happened, you know, the car. It, it, it stopped, and it wouldn't crank back up. It stalled somehow. And they knew there really wasn't much hope of anybody driving by that time of night, about midnight, sleeting, and all this bad weather. And so Maxie and his wife were very anxious. The children were getting colder. And what seemed like it was a lifetime, uh, finally this car drives by them and it, it stops. And Maxie tells the driver what had happened. And this stranger um, didn't ask any more questions. He simply said, just get your family, get in my car. And he even went so far as to help them to put the luggage in his car. And then he took the extra step of taking them to a friend's house where they could sleep overnight in, in comfort and safety. And Adam says that as he talked to this stranger, he noticed that he had a different accent. He, he was not from Mississippi. He could tell that. And he discovered, as it turns out, that the man who helped him was David ben Ami, who was a rabbi at the Temple Benai Israel in Hattiesburg. And later on, as he's home, this is several, uh, uh, a couple of months after he uh, experienced this, uh, he was reading his newspaper and he came across an article about Rabbi Ben-Ami. It seems that he had befriended some clergy of other faith in his community and he had been a part of helping uh, reach out to people of other faith in his community and that had upset a lot of people in his congregation. The rabbi had visited some pastors who had been in prison for demonstrating against racial injustice in his community. And he had befriended a particular Presbyterian priest who was kind of a big leader and involved in the struggle for equality. He had also been involved in distributing turkeys to the needy people in, in uh, Mississippi of all races and, and uh, group, groups. And uh, that had upset folks in his congregation to the point they were asking for him to leave. And that's what the newspaper article was about. You know, discrimination in any segment of our society is a tragedy because clearly it is not God's will for us. But I think the brokenness that we see within the body of Christ is even more tragic because how will this world ever know how to get along and live together with one another if we can't do it ourselves? And if we believe in the Bible, if we believe that God created this world and all who dwell within this world, then we have to understand that we are all part of the family of God. Even with those who do not claim the name of Jesus Christ. Now, that may be a stretch for some of us. But you know, God doesn't put a limit on who he loves or who he's willing to offer his grace to. And as followers of Christ, he calls us to do the same. Here's the thing you have to remember. Christ is not asking us to do anything more than he was willing to do himself. So the next time you judge someone else to be unworthy of God's love 
or unworthy of your love? Just think about how unworthy you and I are of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on that cross. And if loving others who are different than you are is difficult, then just imagine a holy God who is willing to give up his son for an unholy humanity, which includes you and me. I began this meditation this morning with a story about a man who helped his paraplegic friend scale a a, a great mountain. And I was hoping that would serve as a metaphor for what Jesus did for us on that cross of Calvary. How he came into this world, a world of sin and death, a world of grief and sorrow, and he came to us to for one purpose. The purpose of trying to lift us, to carry us to the very throne of God's grace. To save us. To redeem and reconcile us from our sins and our brokenness. And now he calls us into a partnership. A partnership with him and a partnership with all the people over this world who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. That together we might seek to lift the people of this world to the very throne of God's grace. In spite of all of our differences. This is our common ground. This is our common mission with all who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. And today we have this opportunity to affirm our oneness in Christ as we partake of this bread and this cup around the Lord's table on World Communion Sunday. The question, though, is, will we do more than simply affirm it? Will we strive to do all that we can to make it become a reality? One final story I want to share with you. It's a story about a woman in a Philadelphia neighborhood whose community was going downhill very fast. And uh, it was becoming increasingly overcrowded. A crime was running rampant. It was becoming dirty and, and noisy. It was truly just a really bad situation. So this woman decided she was going to do something about it. And she realized that money was going to be needed in order to make affect any kind of change. And so she started a fundraising campaign. And she called people, she, she emailed, she mailed folks, she uh, got financial support from uh, independent financial um, partnerships and foundations, and so she ended up raising about $85,000. But the real headline of the story is that she then used that money to move to a different neighborhood. That's the way a lot of people respond to the world around us today. They flee the scene of the grime Instead of building bridges that we might discover that we actually like each other (laughs) and that we um, have more in common than we ever thought we did, we erect walls of hate and walls of fear among ourselves. You know, as followers of Jesus Christ, that is simply not an option. For Jesus has lifted our undeserving souls to the very throne of God's grace. And he's given us new life, a new way of seeing others around us. And so as we take this bread and this cup of Holy Communion today, as we participate in this sacrament on World Communion Sunday, may we remember what God has done for us and how we are called to be in partnership with him and with his people all across this world to help lift up others to the very throne of God's grace so that together we might truly become the family of God, brothers and sisters in Christ. As Paul says in verse 9, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, 
that you may be able to discern what is the best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and the praise of God. It is in this spirit that we prepare now to come to participate in the Lord's Supper. For those of you who are at home, I would encourage you at this time, if you haven't already done so, to define elements of bread and juice that you could participate with us. For those of you who have come this morning, I hope that you've all received the element that you have. If you haven't, just raise your hand and the ushers will be glad to get that to you. This is an opportunity for us to remember what God has done for us, Jesus Christ, and how he calls us to be about the ministry of reconciliation to the world. And we're going to have liturgy that will be on the screen, and I invite you to follow along with us. And as you're home, you may do the same. Hear the invitation this morning. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Let us respond together. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May you hear the good news this day. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. This proves God's love for us. So in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. Let us join in the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Let us join together. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Indeed, holy are you. Blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. For the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church. You delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by the water and spirit. From the night which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, he gave thanks to you, and he broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then after the supper, when it was over, he took the cup. and He gave thanks to you, and he gave it to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Let us respond together. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. I invite you to pray with me. Our gracious God, we ask you to pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread 
and wine. Make them be for us, O God, the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, O God, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in his final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. God, we know this is your will and your hope for all who claim to follow you. We pray these things through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Let all God's people say together, Amen. Today is we gather this place and we see the bread. We break it. As we do, we're reminded that no matter how broken our lives may be, that God has the power of his grace, of his forgiveness, of the power of his Holy Spirit to help us to overcome our brokenness, to become one in Christ, created with new life. The cup over which we give thanks, we believe it is a sharing in the blood of Christ. It was poured out for us on that cross to offer us grace and his forgiveness, to give us new life, to create a new creation of us, the family of God.